Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever it is that you may be listening to this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites as we are reading through the scriptures, continuing all the way through the Word of God in this year. And I'm trying to come to you every day if possible, or as, as often as I can. And we will, and I will share just different insights from that passage that spoke to me in this day or something like that. And I trust that it's a blessing to you, those of you that can hear it. So <clears throat> today, in today's Bible reading plan for me, my reading is in 1 Samuel 13 and 14. And so I wanted to share some things about this. Now, if you'll remember, <clears throat> Saul has been anointed king and <clears throat> um, he has served now, the Bible tells us here, for one year and now he's in his second. Uh, he's been serving now as king for a couple of years in this chapter. <clears throat> and so I want to show you, we see here that Saul is beginning to grow impatient. Um, he's allowed irreverence and indifference and also his own ego to cost him the kingdom. We're going to see that in chapter 13 <clears throat> because we see these things in some of the things that he says and in what he does. I want to read <clears throat> a few of these verses. Excuse me just a moment. In chapter 13, beginning in verse 7, it says, And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, <clears throat> he was still in Gilgad, Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring me a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I've not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now <clears throat> your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. <clears throat> and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. <clears throat> so, here we see that Saul got more concerned about the fact that the people were scattering from him. He was a man pleaser, and he was losing them, so his ego got in the way. He got impatient because Samuel had said, you wait, you do not do that. Saul was, 
king. He was not priest. He could not offer <coughs> sacrifices. He was not to bridge those, those barriers and those lines between those two offices. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Saul got impatient, irreverent, and indifferent. And then he also got egotistical and proud. And it cost him the kingdom. But notice in verse 14, God prophetically says through Samuel <clears throat> that the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And we know that the next king on the line is going to be David. We know the, the story, and we're getting to that in these <clears throat> historical books. But I want to point out to you here that David becomes, David is this person. Notice that God, God, this is God's testimony of David. This is not some other man saying this, and this is not David saying it of himself. This is God who knows David's heart in and out, knows David through and through, and knows us that way too. And God has this testimony of that coming person who is going to be David coming on the scene shortly. And God says that he's after God's own heart. Notice this, that this says that he's after God's heart, not so much after God's hand. He's after the Lord. He's after knowing God intimately. This person that God is speaking of here, who we know will become King David, is after his own heart. He cares about what God cares about. He wants the same desires that God has. He wants the same things that God wants. He loves the same thing God loves. He will hate the same thing God hates. He wants what pleases the Lord. And it made me think of let's say a couple that's dating that's that's engaged to be married or something like that you know they will they will spend hours upon hours upon hours together or when they're not together they're wanting to be together they're thinking about each other they're they're um, talking on the phone they're texting however they can communicate and stay connected because they care about each other and they are in love they want what each other wants they want to please each other that boy that's courting that gal and trying to woo her he wants to find out where she likes to eat. He wants to find out what kind of flowers she likes, what what kind of gifts she likes. He's going to flower her and he's going to he's going to lavish her as much as he can and as much as he can afford because he's after her heart. He wants the same things. He wants to know her. He wants to to be in love with her. He wants to to please her. And that's what this is talking about here. And God has this testimony of David. Now remember, at this time, David was a mere shepherd boy, probably out in the field, keeping the sheep, sometimes perhaps even alone. And yet he's got a, a lyre or a harp or something, and he's out there and he's 
singing songs and perhaps even God is giving him some of the psalms that we have now, such as perhaps Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so he may be out in the field and he's just, it's just him and God. It's just him and the Lord. And he's out there singing to Jesus. He's out there singing to God. He's out there worshiping the Lord. And that is drawing God near because he's after God's heart. And so God and David begin to have this relationship. See, people, that's what it's all about. Beloved, that's what it's all about is relationship with God. And that's what David had. And God testifies of that. Oh, may we all have that as well. And then in chapter 14, we read about um, a time of battle between the Philistines. Now, the Philistines became the enemy of Israel all through the days of Saul, we're told. And so Jonathan is Saul's son. And so we read here about um, Jonathan's conquest of the Philistines and, and some of the other elements of this, uh, Saul makes a very rash command and, and puts a, a, a somewhat of a demand or a curse upon the people that is irrational and it's wrong and um, things like that. So we have to be careful about those kinds of things. And we see, we also begin to see in verse 17 of this chapter, the beginning of the downfall of Saul. But God is gracious through Jonathan because he's going to preserve his people with David rising on the scene. But I want to read, and I want to leave you with this final thought in chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, speaking of the Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. I want you to notice the faith that Jonathan had in God, in the living God of Israel here. Because he says boldly, he says, you know, we're, we're small in number. They got us outnumbered. They're stronger than we are. They got weapons we don't have. But we've got a God that they don't have and a God that they're not in covenant with because they're uncircumcised. We've got a God that they don't know his power. And it may be that he will work with us and he will be gracious to us because there's nothing that restrains God from saving by many or by few. Beloved, I want to leave you with this final thought. God is not limited by anything. God is not restrained by anything. And even the word of God is not chained. God can do whatever he wants to do, whether the odds are against it or not. God is not limited. Hallelujah. If you'll remember, Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed a, uh, a group of 5,000 men plus women and children. Some have estimated it could have been 12,000 to 15,000 people total. We don't know exactly. 
But we do know that the Bible says in that instance it was 5,000 men plus women and children. He took five loaves of barley bread and two fish, and that's it. And Jesus took that few and fed many because the Lord is not restrained by anything from saving by many or by few. Our job is to give to him our little loaves and fishies and let him do the rest. May God bless you today is my prayer, and I hope you can join us again for more editions of Bible Bites. God bless you.